And we are on air for NASCAR Race Review and our Hot Topic Sound Off at 10. Uh, Joining me tonight will be our co-host, Sal Sagala. He's not here yet, but I'll bring him in when he arrives. Uh, Just to give everybody a little idea of uh, what our agenda is for tonight, in our first half hour, we're going to review the Arkham Menard Series season finale that took place this weekend at Kansas Speedway. And uh, at about 840, uh, the Arkham Menard Series champion is going to join in the conversation. Brett Holmes will come on board, and we'll talk to him about winning the championship this year and uh, what it means to him to uh, finally make that happen. Uh, I'm sure it was a big weekend for Brett Holmes. Uh, at 9 o'clock, we'll get into the truck in the Xfinity Series races at Kansas. And by about 9.40, it'll be time for us to talk about the Cup Series race at Kansas. We'll review all of those races uh, during from 9 o'clock until uh, about 9.30. Uh, actually, yeah, it'll be from 9 to 9.30. And then at 9.30, we'll start our Hot Topics sound off segment i think i said at 10 o'clock it's actually going to start at 9 30 so uh stay tuned for that we'll have a full hour of conversation there joining me now is our co-host for tonight and that is sal sagala sal are you there yeah i'm here sharon can you hear me yeah i can hear you we're getting just a little bit of background noise uh but uh, i can definitely hear you i don't Oh, you're Sorry, on the I'm, road. I'm, that's why. Yeah, yeah, I'm on my way to work, so. Oh, okay. But okay. So I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll up the window to see if I can cut out some of the noise. Okay, I appreciate that. Uh, we're gonna get started, Sal, with the <clears throat> Arkham Art Series season finale at Kansas Speedway this past weekend. Uh, going into this race, it was a tight, tight battle in the point standings. Uh, between drivers Brett Holmes and uh, Brett Holmes with his own cell phone team, and then also uh, for uh, Michael Self with Venturini Motorsports. Uh, coming out of that race, Brett Holmes finished second. Uh, it was a big night for him because that was enough for him to secure the Arkham and Art Series championship. Yeah, it was a. Uh... A uh, very, very um, eventful night for Brett. You know, like you said, you know, not only winning it, but you know, doing it you know, as his own, you know, as under his own team banner. Yes, indeed. Corey Heim actually won the race, uh, but Brett Holmes did come in with a second place finish, and that was enough for him to win the championship. Uh, I'll kind of go over the top ten results here uh, from the race at Kansas, just so everybody knows how that ha- ended. Uh, Corey Heim was the winner. He drove uh, the number 10 for Andy Hillenberg, actually. And uh, Brett Holmes finished second. First time Brett Holmes had a sponsor on his uh, car for his Golden Eagle Syrup, and uh, he brings home the championship. In the number 22, it was Derek uh, Griffith in third. Dylan Lupton finished in fourth, and Michael South came home with a fifth-place finish. Uh, the next five were Haley Deegan, Chris Wright, Drew Dollar, Scott Melton, and Eric Caudell. Uh, Haley Deegan did bring home the Rookie of the Year honors as well. 
Yeah, it was a very eventful night for, um, you know, like you said, for Michael Self, you know, not to, you know, get the championship. I know he was very disappointed, you know. But, um, yeah, I'm sure you know, he was. Then, you know, and then you mentioned um, Dylan Luck, you know, coming off of, uh, you know, just, you know, picking up races here and there for David Gilliland Racing, DJR. And it's funny because Dylan just raced. He's been racing at Irondale in the Super Day model class. Oh, cool. So, um, you know, we, yeah, so, you know, he's been behind the wheel. So for him to get that extra little, you know, that fourth place, you know, it's not that he got in there and got lucky. He's been putting his work in for that, you know. So it was good to see, you know, to see him grab that uh, that fourth place finish. Yes, indeed. It was really good to see him back behind the wheel of the race car as well. Uh, I know you've seen him out there in the West, but we haven't seen him out here. So uh, it was pretty cool to see that this weekend. Uh, now, the point standings, I want to go over that. 12 points difference between Brett Holmes in first place and Michael Self in second place. Haley Deegan came in second. Drew Dollar was fourth. And Ty Gibbs rounds out the top five. Ty Gibbs is the only driver in that group that did not race all 20 races. Uh, he has 16 races on the season this year and still finished in fifth place. That says a lot. Uh, the next five are Brad Smith, uh, Sam Mayer in seventh, Mike Basham finished eighth, and Thad Moffitt in tenth with Chandler Smith rounding out the top ten there. And that group uh, below Ty Gibbs, uh, none of them had a full season either. So uh, pretty cool to see them be able to finish out the season there uh, in the top ten. So uh, uh, a big night for Brett Holmes. Uh, uh, finishing in the championship with the championship title. He had uh, one win, 14 top fives, 19 out of 20 races were top tens this season, and that includes a pole. Uh, he uh, had a pretty eventful season for sure. Yeah, he did. Very, very um, – You can't. it really was a dominating season because – Michael Self, you know, was, you know, dominated basically the first half. But then if we remember sharing during the season, we were talking about how Michael was really wasn't, he wasn't clicking like towards the middle, towards the end of the season. You know, he was having, you know, he was he even talked about, you know, having his own little, you know, issues and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it was, uh, yeah, and you know. He seemed to be at, at peace with the results as well, Sal. Yeah. And, um, you know, and but Brett was just really, you know, he hung in there, you know, he fought hard for it, you know what, and he uh, came out the winner. He deserved it. He definitely did deserve that, and uh, uh, it was exciting to see him uh, be able to get that uh, title. Now, here's the thing about Brett Holmes as well. When he came into the season, Sal, uh, he was planning to race a part-time season and maybe get in a few truck series races this year. And when his season started going as well as it did, he decided to go uh, and race the Arkham Menard Series full-time and go after that championship title. I think he made a good choice. Oh, yeah, he made a really good choice by doing that. Um, you know, to you know, um, it, it's not easy, especially when you have your own team, because now you're having to fight every week, you know, for, you know, you know, for money to race, you know, not only that, but, you know, a one wreck, you know, a bad wreck, you know what, and you're, you're replacing parts, you know what, and it, 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 it could put a damper on, you know, on your whole season, 
you know, but to, you know, to make that decision, you know, and say, you know, we're going to go for the championship, you know, it was, uh, you know, it, it just showed, you know, the confidence he had in himself and his team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's keep in mind, this was a very unique year. Uh, I want to give uh, kudos to the Arkham and Art Series and NASCAR as well for making sure that they were able to get <coughs> all 20 races during this pandemic year. Uh, I'm sure that was no easy feat either. Yeah, it was. It had to be tough. It was tough all the way around. You know, even talking to different track promoters. You know, like even around my area. You know, you know the you know our little short tracks. You know that that don't have the overhead like the Arkham and Art Series has. You know the bigger series. You know what? And and um, it was it was unique. There was a lot of uh, a, a lot of um, different scenarios played out. And you know and, and um. You know what? And it was like we were talking with uh, Joe Graff Jr. last week. You know what? NASCAR set the precedence, you know, on, and that it could be done. You know what? And, and so far, you know, they've, you know, they they basically led the way. You know, that pandemic or not, fans or not, we can run and we can be competitive, and we can still put on a good show for the fans. Yes, indeed. And and the Arkham and Art Series, uh, I know, definitely did that this year, uh, in a very challenging year. And kudos to all the drivers and the teams and everybody uh, that really put in the effort to be at these races because uh, we know it was a challenging year, and uh, a lot of these guys really put on a good show all year long. And uh, a big kudos to all of these teams uh, that really were supporting all of these drivers as well. Uh, and speaking plus, of you know, that. Sharon, plus, yeah. plus you got to remember, too, each state had a, has its own set of rules as far as what the protocol is for, for the pandemic. So not every right. state had the same set of rules. So as each, they went from state to state, they had to follow the rules from that state, not just because they're NASCAR, NASCAR had their rules, but they still had to follow, you know, the, you know, the rules of the state. So that added an extra dynamic. Exactly. exactly. Joining us now is our guest for the evening, and uh, I'm really excited to say congratulations to you, Brett, on winning the Arkham and Art Series championship title. Uh, that had to be a really special night for you. Welcome. To yes, the show. ma'am. Thank you very much. It's uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a long time coming, and it's something we've been working on for a few years now, and um, I'm just glad to say that we uh, we finally achieved it. Well, you certainly did, uh, and I was doing some reading up uh, today and realized that, uh, you know, when you came into the season, you were not planning to race the full season, and when the pandemic hit, uh, it kind of changed your plans. Talk a little bit about how that uh, how that changed your plans. Yeah, you know, going into the season, we, uh, we, we were just going to run a part-time schedule, more of the bigger races, and uh, of ARCA as far as the, the uh, speedways go and um, some short tracks we thought would help us down the road and um, you know when the uh, when the pandemic th- hit and uh, it, it closed down a lot and affected a lot of people unfortunately and we uh, well we kept our team going and it, it kind of gave us a, a time to reset as far as our ARCA stuff and update a couple of cars and that's uh, I think that's what really propelled us when we came back from the break I think that's what really turned our team around, and uh, we made some good decisions during that time, and um, we uh, that, that's that's what led us to running top three, top five every weekend, and 
we kind of took a step back and we're like, you know, we, we don't have the time to, you know, to, to carry out our original plan. So, and, and the ARCA schedule condensed so much um, when we came back. I mean, we went, you know, week after week for four months. So it, uh, you know, we, and how we were running at the time, we kind of reassessed it and thought, you know, man, we, we probably got a shot at this. You know, I think we can uh, pull off this championship if everything just goes right. And, um, and it did. So we, uh, I'm really glad we made that decision as a team and, um, just, uh, just really blessed to be here. Yeah, it absolutely did, Brett. And, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was uh, a long time coming. You've been in the Arkham and Art Series for a few years. And I know you, you mentioned, I think, I'm not sure where I saw this, but I heard you mention uh, that, you know, there were times when you thought about quitting <laughs> because you guys are a smaller operation. You're not a big-time team uh, like some of the other teams in the Arkham and Art Series. Uh, you have fewer employees, and yet, you kind of persevered and you kind of kept going and and you this is a great testament to not quitting uh when the going gets tough and and kind of hanging in there and coming home with the championship talk a little bit about those kind of emotions and uh what it means to you to be able to persevere to win that championship yeah i think it's uh you know i think it's a picture perfect testament to that and you know um it uh it, it was just really tough you know there were two or three years there where um you know mainly 2017 2018 where we didn't run as well as we wanted to and um you know we uh in 2016 when i first started racing arca we we did well we were running in the top five and then we felt like you know uh we, we felt like we we're kind of going in the wrong direction uh, a few years after that so um 2018 was when we you know, stopped racing full-time in the middle of the season, and that was a tough decision to make, and, you know, uh, it, it's just really it's really hard mentally to come to the racetrack and know that you don't have a chance to win sometimes, and um, no matter how hard you work and through the year, and um, fortunately, we, we worked through that, and, um, you know, Shane, Shane Huffman coming to the team, I think, really turned that around in 2019, and, and getting another year to work with him is what you know, really, really propel us to the spot we're in now. So, um, but yeah, it, uh, it's really tough. Like I said, racing is a really mentally, you know, straining sport and, you know, you've got a lot of eyes on you and, um, there's a lot of pressure to do well. And when you don't, you feel like you're not meeting expectations. So it, um, it's really tough, to, tough thing to handle, but, uh, you know, we kept working and, and just believe in ourselves and I have a lot of great, you know, friends and family from back home who, who uh, really believed in me and, um, you know, really uh, kept my motivation up and um, and my, my confidence going, and that's what really led us to, to keep going. Okay, I've got one more thing here that I want to mention, and then uh, we'll, we'll uh, hand it over to co-host Sal Segala because I know he has some questions for you too. Uh, Brett, I, I, I also read that... Uh, you know, there's another uh, racer from Alabama who is an Arkham Menard Series champion, and I understand you you uh, have talked with uh, Grant, and he's helped you along the way. Talk a little bit about the support that you've gotten from Grant. Grant's yeah, Grant. Uh, you, yeah, for sure. I mean, Grant's been a a huge, you know, um, 
a huge role model for me. Uh, we talk almost every week, and um, I call him with questions all the time, um, and, and not just as, as a driver, but, um, you know, for things in life in general. So, um, you know, I feel like we, we've got a good relationship just outside of racing as well, and he really helped start our team. He uh, he was my crew chief um, that first year in 2016 when I ran a few races, and we did really well together. Had a couple of shots and went races together. And, um, it's just uh, it's really cool to have a, a, a good guy like that from from Alabama to um, that that's you know friends with you and, and wants to help you any way he can. And uh, to see him be successful in the truck series is is really cool too. And he's just uh, he's just a really great guy. So. Um, you know, without him, you know, I don't know where we'd be sitting at right now, but I know he's he's helped us a lot. Well, I tell you what, we've talked with Grant quite a few times too, and you're right, he's a he's a really good guy. Uh, I'm going to pass it over to Sal now. Sal, I know you've got some questions. Yeah, first of all, I want to say congratulations, Brent, on the on the championship, and uh, you know, very uh, I guess how do you say it? a very well-rounded season since this. This wasn't one of the championships, you know, or it was, you know, it was a runaway or, you know, or it was, you know, one from the first race out. You know, you kind of had to work your way in, you know, because Michael, it seemed like Michael was on a mission to uh, to destroy everybody. Yeah, I think, you know, he was uh, he was definitely a really determined guy. And, um, you know, I like Michael. He's a good guy, too, and a really respectable driver. We've raced hard against each other for the past two or three years, and, he was, uh, you know, I think we were both really determined to to uh, win the championship, and um, we drove our hearts out. I mean, we uh, we, we gave it 100%, and, you know, um, he faced a couple of issues early, uh, in the season at some races with mechanical issues, and um, I think that set him back a little bit, but, um, you know, he had, uh, he, he had some great runs. He won, you know, uh, a couple of races this season, and... Um, it, uh, it it was really fun getting to compete against them. You know, and it seems like the like the ARCA series in itself. You know what it 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 favors. You know, not just the big teams, but it also favors you know the smaller teams. You know, such as yourself. Because I remember back when uh when Mason Mitchell was running his own team. You know, he won his first championship. You know, and it seemed like the like this series. You know, it's a it's a really good you know feeder series. You know, to you know to get into something. You know. Um, you know, up the ladder more. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I think it, I think a lot of people like that too. You know, I think you don't get to see a lot of team, a lot of people who start their own team or family run team, and uh, be successful. And um, like you said, Mason Mitchell, he was uh, he congratulated me on Twitter after the race and or after the championship. Cause, you know, he knows what that's like. That's like too. It's it's really hard and it's uh, tough to start your own team and. Um, you know, there's uh, there's there's only a few people that know what that's like, and um, it's uh, it makes for a lot of stressing days. But um, in the end, I think it's really cool, and you just uh, you don't see a lot of people do that. And um, you know, we just uh, we we take a lot of pride in, in doing it ourselves, and we're uh, we're going to keep doing it. You know, and as the season you know progressed, you know, and it got, you know, of course, you know, we had the pandemic this year, you know, so. You know, the season was set. It, it seemed like, you know, then, you know, there was always that chance, you know, with NASCAR, you know, making changes, you know, as far as from the venues, you know, because the, with the, you know, each state having its own, um, you know, having their own rules along with the, you know, rules that NASCAR set. Um, 
you know, how do you prepare and adjust for all that, especially with no practice and no qualifying? Yeah, it was really hard to, and, uh, you know, there were some, well, I mean, there a lot of the tracks we, ARCA actually got a little bit of practice in, not as much as we typically get, but, um, you know, that, that's really props to the props to the series, the, the ARCA series and Ron Drager for um, getting all those 20 races in. I, I didn't think they'd be able to pull that off, but they made a lot of sacrifices and, and did a ton of work, especially through the summer, to, to get these mini races in and, um, yeah, and that's very important to, to drivers and, and the sponsors, you know, who already signed contracts for the uh, for the for the whole season ahead of time, and you know, to get those 20 races in is really important to those guys. And um, you know, like I said, it's uh, Art the Series is, is a great group of guys who run it, and they, um, you know, they're the reason why. They, as much as they work, is that's the reason why we got as many races as we did in. And, it, uh, I know it was it was really hard on them, but they got it done. You know, and, and what, like I was saying earlier, you know, what's neat is there really isn't, you know, I know everybody talks about the Venturini teams, you know, and but you know there really isn't, you know, like a super powerhouse team. You know, every team, you know, they had they went out there, you know, they had a chance to win. I mean, you know, we've seen the DGR team come in, you know, this season also new, you know, with their drivers, you know, and uh you know, be competitive, you know, you came in for competitive entry, you came in competitive, you know, there were some, you know, some other teams that came, JGR, you know, fielded, you know, a cup, you know, uh, not a cup, I'm sorry, an ARCA team, you know, so, I mean, as you're going in week to week, that confidence level has to be, you know, high, because, you know, you, you know, you, any given week, you, you have a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, despite the uh, despite the car counts this season that ARCA had, I mean, there's still some really good teams that we're running up against, and um, these guys, uh, the guys that run the teams, those teams really dedicate a lot to, to the series and, and to racing. And, um, they've been around for a long time, and, and there's some really tough guys to beat. They're, they're uh, some really strong competitors, and um, you know, it's uh, it made for a tough season for sure. But to come out. And a lot of races and being consistent, consistently up front with a lot of those guys, and, um, like you said, a really good feeling, and it gave us a lot of confidence to uh, to keep pushing. And you know, when you outrun these guys, it, it means a lot. It really does. And I think a lot of them think the same way because we're all uh, really tough competitors and um, all going for the same goal. And it's uh, so that's that's just another reason why it makes it special to to uh, to win this championship and be in the spotlight. So is there any chance you're going to come out to the Snowball Derby this year with, uh, you know, being the Arkansas champion and have that, you know, come out and, uh, you know, run, run the uh, Super late again? No, I mean, I, I, we didn't really plan on that, and um, we weren't really actively looking for, for a ride or anything. It would be cool to, to come run that race again someday and um, – Maybe we could get something worked out sometime, but um, you know, Pensacola is where I, I did a lot of uh, a lot of asphalt late model racing when I was kind of coming up through the ranks and divisions, and um, I really like that track. But um, that wasn't you know really on our sides this year. But maybe one day uh, we'll get to come back and run that. And I think right now though, we're, we're focused on the future of our team and our plans for next year. Cool. Well, once again, Brett, congratulations on the 
championship, and uh, uh, we'll see you next season. And uh, enjoy enjoy the time off. And uh, and like I said, you know, we'll see you next season. Hopefully, you know, you can come out and, and repeat. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Brett, uh, I, I know that uh, you have your own uh, cheering crowd uh, on race day from Auburn University. So when you went back to classes today, uh, how was that for you? Did people know that you had won the championship over the weekend? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we uh, I've got a, a great group of friends down here in Auburn, and um, a lot of them I go to classes with, and um, a lot of them I met early on uh, in school. And I think, uh, you know, Auburn has just been a great place for me to, to build a lot of lifelong friendships with those people. And um, it's uh, it's been really special uh, to see, you know, how much they've supported me and uh, kept up with me through, through racing, even though they didn't have to. So um, to see how much they care is, is really cool. And um, I definitely got to, to go out and celebrate with them on, uh, on Saturday. That was really fun. And um, we had a good time together and, you know, they, uh, they want the best for me, just like I want the best for them. So it's, uh, it's really cool to have some friends like that at school you go to. Absolutely. You can't beat it. Now, uh, you mentioned celebrating hopes of weekend, your celebrate, your, uh, championship, but, uh, you're a busy guy. I got to tell you, you're, you're in your senior year at Auburn, uh, for construction management and you're going to graduate in December. Uh, so how challenging was that to be in your senior year uh, and to be racing for a championship title uh, with a pandemic year? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was really tough to say the least, just because uh, when they changed the schedule, you know, we it really condensed um, the amount of time we could get these races in. So, there were a lot of weeks. Uh, I think we had two weekends off in four months, so um, that made for a lot, a lot of tough, a uh, lot of tough weeks and, and really stressing days. And um, you know, just definitely didn't have as much time as I normally normally would. So, um, but that's okay. I mean, it's you know, everybody had to deal with the same thing, and um, I'm just glad we got all of all of these races in. I, th- I think we needed all uh, to get in to, to be in the position we were in points and. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, uh, there's a lot of great people in Auburn too, that, uh, as far as my professors go are willing to work with me with whatever days I've got to miss. So, um, I, uh, I really appreciate them and it, uh, they really helped out as far as the, uh, uh, stressful days go. Okay. And I know Shane Huffman was a big part of your, uh, championship as well. We're running out of time to talk to you about that, but next time you come back, I want to make sure that we do do that because I, I know he was a big part of this championship season for you. Uh, before you go, let's make sure fans know how they can uh, follow you, Brett, and uh, what's next for you after the Sarka Menard Series Championship. Yeah, you can keep up with us on our website at bretholmes.com or our Facebook page, uh, Brett Holmes Racing. Um, you know, I don't know yet. We're, uh, we're, I'm sure we'll be working really hard on that for the next two or three months, what um, we're going to do as far as our team goes. Um, I think you can um, – I think we'll definitely be running some ARCA races that ne- next year. I don't know in what capacity or how many, but um, but we're, uh, we're juggling all of our options right now and 
um, you know, I know we just got through with the championship this past weekend, but we've already started working on this plan. So um, I'm really excited for what's to come, and I think uh, I think it's going to be really cool to see. Well, we're really excited for you as well, Brett Holmes. And, uh, again, congratulations on uh, the title this year in the Arkham Menard Series. It well-deserved uh, for you and your team. And uh, we're definitely looking forward to what comes next for you. So uh, great talking with you, and we hope we get another chance uh, to do so somewhere down the road here. Yes, ma'am, for sure. It was great talking to you all, too. I appreciate it. Okay. Take care, Brett, and uh, again, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. You all, too. All right. That was Brett Holmes uh, with Brett Holmes Racing. And, uh, wow, what a year he had, a busy year, <laughs> senior year in, in, at the university and, uh, uh, you know, all these things going on during a pandemic year, as he, as he mentioned, kind of an abbreviated season, and yet they were able to get all 20 races in, Sal. Just amazing. Yeah, you know, it's, and it's, and it's kind of neat because it seems like we're talking to a lot of drivers that are that – are, out to try and get their degree. It's not like, you know, like when we had that, that short wave of drivers coming in, you know, who were only racing, you know, they weren't going to school. And now we're, now it seems like the drivers are, are worried about their education, you know, as much as they are racing. Mm-hmm. I think they're, they're seeing a, a trend that, you know what, that, um, you know, you need something to fall back on if you, if you don't make it, you know, or if you get into racing and something happens, you know, you need something mm-hmm. to fall back on, you know, and, and, um, you know, because unfortunately, if you're out as a driver, that's basically it, you know. That's right. Okay, Sal, it's time for us to move on to the uh, Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series. The Clean Harbors 200 race uh, took place on Saturday, and the winner was former champion in the Truck Series, Brett Moffat, at the age of 28. Uh, driving the number 23 Concrete Supply Chevrolet for GMS Racing and his crew chief, Chad Norris. It was his 12th victory in 80 Truck Series races, his first victory and 14th top 10 finish in 2020, and his first victory and fourth top 10 finish in seven races at Kansas. Sheldon Creed finished second, posting his second top 10 finish in five races at Kansas, and it's his 10th top 10 finish this year. Austin Hill finished third, posting his fourth top 10 finish in six races at Kansas. Christian Eckes, who finished sixth, was the highest finishing rookie. And uh, actually, Haley Deegan has set the record, has set a NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series record for the best finish by a female driver in her series debut at 16th. The previous record was held by Joanna Long at 17th, and that was done at Lucas Oil Raceway in 2010. So uh, a pretty eventful race there in the truck series. Uh, To round out the top uh, ten here, Grant Infinger, we were just talking about him, uh, finished in fourth place. Chandler Smith rounds out the top five. We mentioned Christian Eckes in sixth place, the highest rookie. Timothy Peters filling in in the number 52, uh, finished in seventh. Matt Crafton in eighth. And Derek Krause, uh, Sal, uh, finished in ninth place with uh, Trevor Bain rounding out the top ten. Great finish for for Derek Krause. 
Yeah, it was a uh, a very event, another very eventful race. It looked like Sheldon Creed was going to have a shot at uh, an outside shot at um, at uh, I'm sorry, Sharon. My my uh, something happened with my. Okay. okay, there we go. Not sure. Okay. No, I, I got I got disconnected from my Bluetooth, and I was like, "Wow, what the heck went oh. on here?" Yeah, yeah, okay. from from Brett Moffitt. Yeah, Sheldon Creed. It looked, it looked like it was going to be a he was going to be able to catch him, but um, yeah, it was it was a good it was a it was a it was a very very well run race. She, Zane Smith also had his has his little issues up up in there. I know he finished real low, but um. Yeah, he he, he uh, uh, has had a really good year, Zane Smith. He actually finished in 11th place. Um, but it was Sheldon Creed winning the first two stages. The margin of victory in this race between Sheldon Creed and Brett Moffitt was .111 seconds. That's how close it was. Uh, four caution flags for 24 laps, 13 lead changes among nine drivers. Uh, Sal, and, and this was uh, a really fun race to watch. So uh, let's go over the points report. Okay. So the points, we have uh, we have a new leader this, this week. It's uh, Sheldon Creed leading the points. Um, let's see. Second is Austin Hill. Third is Zane Smith. Fourth is Brett Moffat and then round right off the top five is Grant Infinger. And then we go down to uh from there we go Driver's to Matt ten. Crafton Matt Crafton sixth, Ben Rose seventh, Tyler Akram eighth. And actually that's the that's the top eight. And then we go the next two down, which would be Chris and Eckes and Todd Gillard. So um yeah, we're looking at the top eight right now to see who's gonna make it into the next uh into the next into the final round before we get to Phoenix for the um championship race. That's right. And right now below the line are Grant Infinger, Matt Crafton, Ben Rhodes, and Tyler Ankrum. So this next race is going to be really important to them. I think all of the series are headed to Texas next, and it's a 1.5-mile track, and I think we're going to see some uh, uh, really good action on the track uh, for this race because uh, a lot of these drivers want to get that win in order to secure their spot in the, into the Final Four. Uh, when it comes down to Phoenix uh, in November. So uh, really, really big deal here in the uh, Arkham Menard. I'm sorry, in the uh, truck series. I do have uh, post-race audio from Brett Moffat, who won the race. So let's hear what he had to say after winning this race uh, on Saturday uh, in the number 23 GMS Racing Chevrolet. It's only uh, two minutes and 40 seconds, so I think we've got time to uh, listen to all of that. Hey, Brett, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I got you. Awesome. Well, we're now joined by our race winner, uh, Brett Moffitt, and who has also punched his ticket to the championship floor. Um, Brett, we know you have to get to the Xfinity Series race, so we'll keep things short for you and get right to questions. Um, Bob Pockers, you want to kick us off? Yeah, Brett, are you excited or just relieved to finally get a win? <laughs> Definitely relief. Um, you know, it's uh, it's go time in the season, and 
we've had a pretty rough one on our 23 team. So, uh, you know, it's a lot of relief to get to victory lane and do it in such a high-pressure situation and uh, knowing that now we have a shot at racing for a championship. Thank you. All right, we'll take our next one from Jonathan with the Racing Experts. Go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, Brett, congratulations on the championship four berth. Uh, my question for you is, uh, oh, during that longer run right before the caution between you and Zane Smith, uh, were you just trying to, like, save your tires just in hopes of making a run for the checkers, or how did that look? Yeah, um, I mean, honestly, it's just the tire combination, and this racetrack this year is super slick. Um, so, I mean, you were just all over the place. And then when we caught the 38, um, I was wanting the top, and he was not giving it to me, and, that allowed the 21 to really close in on us there. Um, before that, we were kind of matching each other, and um, when I got caught up behind him, it was just a handful for sure. So uh, a little frustrated in that situation, but I um, apologize to the 21 for, for the poor block on my behalf and costing him a good good finish, and uh, hopefully we can move on from that and keep building and work towards a championship. Thank you. All right, we'll take our next question from Chris Knight. Go ahead, Chris. Right, congratulations on the win today. Um, you've won at Phoenix before, uh, how, so how do you decipher the, you know, having a championship race at Phoenix rather than having at home that you like one more over the other? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of organizational, which is why I like the fact that NASCAR has been willing to move it. Uh, GMS has not been good at Homestead over the years, um, so going to a championship race there, you're already kind of, you know, down and out, but. Uh, so I think going to Phoenix is really good for us. Obviously, I won there two years ago, and last year we struggled a little bit, but our teammate uh, Stuart Friesen in the 52 had an extremely good race truck. So I hope that we can pull from that information and um, you know really have a good shot at, at going out there and winning another race and winning a championship. Thank you, Brett. All right, Brett. Well, that's all we've got for you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Congratulations, and uh, good luck in the Xfinity race. All right, uh, that was Brett Holmes. Uh, any thoughts on his comments, Sal? You know, he just, you you know, you, I mean, I, you just got to be Brett excited Holmes. for him. That was Brett Moffat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was Brett Moffat. That's what I was saying. You know, you really got to be excited for him. I mean, it was, a, it was a good race because Sheldon Creed didn't look like anybody was going to beat him. I mean, he was the class of the field by far. Absolutely, you know, and, um, absolutely. And, you know, and, and in uh, spite of the incident that he had with uh, Zane Smith, it seemed like uh, Zane was still able to recover for that 11th place finish. Yeah. But, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to say it. I'm, okay, we'll just keep going on. But, yeah, it was. Okay. You know what? And, and, um, and, and yeah, I was going to say something then. I, and it, it's, you know, me sure, every week I always have something mean to say. I know. <laughs> and, and okay, you let's know, go ahead. You probably, you, you, yeah, you probably know what I'm I was going to say, too, so. Yeah, we'll leave it at I'm that. I'm sure you have an idea. Um, yeah. Okay, let's but, go um, ahead and move on to the Xfinity Series, uh, Sal, because we've only got 10 minutes for each series tonight. Okay, uh, the race cool. winner, The race winner was uh, Chase Briscoe at the age of 25 in the number 98 Ford Performance Racing School Ford for owner Stuart Haas Racing and crew chief Richard Boswell II. Uh, you know, Andy was married over the weekend, and this was a great wedding gift because he's a huge Chase Briscoe fan. Uh, Chase won 
for his 11th victory in 81 NASCAR Xfinity Series races. It's his ninth victory and 20th top 10 finish in 2020, his first victory and second top 10 finish in five races at Kansas. Daniel Hemrick finished second, posting his third top 10 finish in five races at Kansas and his 12th top 10 finish this year. Ryan Sieg finished third, posting his fifth top 10 finish in 10 races at Kansas. Harrison Burton in 11th was the highest finishing rookie. Chase Briscoe becomes the second driver in series history to win nine races in 30 races, joining Kyle Busch, who did it from 2010, 13, and 16. So, uh, again, a big weekend for Chase Briscoe. Uh, what a season he's having. But to round out the uh, remainder of the top uh, ten here, Justin Haley, who was just announced as coming back to Colic Racing for 2021 in the Xfinity Series, finished in fourth. Austin Hill in fifth. Josh Williams in sixth. Brett Moffitt, after winning in the truck race, finished seventh in the Xfinity race. Michael Lynette in eighth. Brandon Jones in ninth, and Justin Algauer rounds out the top ten. You know, give Ryan, yeah, give Ryan Sieg one more lap, and he catches Daniel Hamrick. <laughs> he was right there. You know, and, and it's funny because when he came in on that, they said he needed when he when he got when he got that last caution, they said he needed it, and he came in, and they thought more drivers were going to come in, and of course most of them stayed out, but um. Give him, give him one more lap, and he would have caught Daniel mm-hmm. Hamrick. He was just, he was right there, and uh, you know he's he's fighting for that, um, you know, also for that playoff spot. But I mean, he had to be ecstatic, you know, for that third place finish, especially at a track oh, like that. Oh, that looked awesome. I mean, he looked really good, but uh, you know, Chase Briscoe. I mean, you know, it's funny because uh, Stuart Haas just signed him, you know, to take over the fourteen while they signed him today. Mm-hmm. I think this win. I think that win on, on on Saturday just solidified the. I'm sure the contract was already there, but I'm sure that win just oh, really yeah. solidified their 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 um their decision because uh you know there's there's a lot of speculation on who's going to get that 14 ride and I'm sure every anybody that's close with Stuart Haas and is following Chase Briscoe, you had to know he was going to be tabbed to take it over because I mean he he came out with the mission at the beginning of the season he said right off the bat he goes. For me to be competitive, he goes, I need nine wins or yep. eight wins. Well, he said eight. Yeah. He said eight. And yeah, eight. Now That's he, right. he eight, already yeah. has nine. Yeah. Yeah. He pretty much dominated today. He won both of the stages, first two stages. The margin of victory was 1.199 <clears throat> seconds. There were 10 caution flags for 45 laps and 10 lead changes among just six drivers. So uh, this was uh, – he, he – Definitely earned the opportunity to race with Stuart Haas Racing next year. And uh, I'm real happy for Chase Briscoe on that. Uh, and I'm sure Andy is as well. Andy's been saying it's going to happen uh, for a long time now. So uh, let's go ahead and cover the points report, and then we'll see if we've got some post-race audio here. Okay. So, uh, of course, you know, in first place in, in uh, the Xfinity Series is Chase Briscoe, second is Justin Allgaier. Uh, did we lose you, Sal? From there we go down to, uh, where are we at here? 
Oh, oh here, I, here we are. Six is Ross Chastain, who are still looking for a win from Ross. He's, I, I think he's, I think he grabs him before the end of the season. And then seventh is Ryan Teague, who's holding, who's holding on, you know, to that, to that, uh, to that. Uh, I think he's on the bubble spot, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is. Mm-hmm. And then Noah Gregson the really, right yeah, Noah Gregson really, really knocked himself out. He was up there. He was, he was up there with. Al Geyer and all them, you know, set to go to the next round, but then getting in that record early in the race, you know, knocked him way back in the yeah. eighth. And then Harrison Burton is sitting in ninth. That's it. Eighth. There's and Brandon eight. Brown in tenth. Yeah, there's only eight. Yeah, Brown and Brown uh, in tenth. Yeah, there's only eight. On, yeah, those on the outside looking in right now are Justin Haley, Ross Chastain, Ryan Sieg, and Noah Gregson. Uh, now Austin Sindrick is on that bubble bow. He's just two points ahead of Justin Haley. So this race coming up at Texas is going to be a wild one, I think, in the Xfinity Series. Uh, we saw a wild race at Kansas in the early going, and uh, I'm telling you, uh, I think these guys uh, are really serious about going after this championship. Um, I, I felt bad for Anthony Alfredo. I was so happy to see him get out of his car, Sal. Oh yeah, that was that was a nasty wreck, you know. And then, to, then to, as long as he sat upside down, you know, like they say, you know, he, he has to keep the belts on because if he takes the belts off, he's going to fall on his head. He don't know if he has a back mm-hmm. or neck injury, you know what? So he's got to stay buckled and you know and and wait for them, you know, to you know the trackers, you know, what they're going to do. You know, as far as getting him out, but yeah, that that was that was a, it was a very hard hit, you know, and, and I was like, I was, but you know, it's good, to, you know, it's good to see you know get out and and um, you know, shake it off. You know, we'll see him. I'm sure we'll see him back next week in Texas. But this, but this top mm-hmm. eight is just, it's, it's. Um, I'll tell you, Noah, Noah's in a Noah basically put himself in a in a. He needs a win. He's in know, a must-win situation. So he's in a must-win. And he's a driver that likes. He likes to drive on the edge, which means that all the other drivers beware because he's going to be wild on the oh, yeah. track. Oh, he's um, a missile. He's a missile. He, is a he, missile. he will. He will. I mean, it's sad to say, but everybody talks about that. But Noah's a missile. You know what? And, and I've seen him wreck his try to wreck his own. Well, we've seen him wreck his own teammates. You know, so mm-hmm. he's he's going to be a man on a mission. You know, and uh, you know, so everybody. Justin Algaier sitting in second, your teammates, he's going to come after you. You better watch out. So, but anyways, <laughs> it's this, 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 this Xfinity series is really, it's really rounded out to be a really good series. Ross Chastain, I'm, I'm just dead beat on him. Not that he has not won a race yet. I, know. I, I thought it's, he it's had hard to three believe, wins this season. It? Gosh, it, it is just so hard yeah. to believe he doesn't have a it's win. It's coming. It's coming. It, it is. I think, we'll I think see it him is. Win. Yeah. Okay, let's so, hear what Chase Briscoe has to say before we run out of time here. Uh, the winner of the race this weekend at Kansas, uh, the number 98 Stuart Haas Racing Ford, uh, Chase Briscoe. All right. Hey, Chase, can you hear me all right? Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yep, we've got you. Well, we are now joined by our race winner, Chase Briscoe, driver of the number 98 for Stuart Haas Racing. Um, Chase, nine wins. I mean, 
and a lock into the championship for how are you feeling right now uh great uh it was definitely a, a really good night and uh just awesome to start you know both rounds of playoffs the way we did you know to, to dominate and, you know the car we were in tonight was actually the same car we ran at Phoenix, or at, at vegas so I wish this thing we could take it to Phoenix because it's, it's been unbelievable this year. I think it's won three races and ran second in the other one. So uh, just hats off to everybody at Stuart Haas uh, to be able to bring the caliber of cars that we brought to the playoffs. Uh, hopefully we can continue this for the next three weeks and obviously most importantly Phoenix. Okay. Sal, any thoughts on his comments? Yeah, you know, it's funny, Sharon, because when when the season ended last year, Chase Briscoe is not even in a ride. Remember, we were talking about it. <laughs> yep. That they didn't, he, they didn't even have him signed, and then all of a sudden, you well, know, they decided with, to, you yeah. know, you know, and then you know they brought him back because this is actually this is the second season with um with uh because the first Stuart Xfinity Haas. team that um Stuart Haas fielded was was for Cole Custer. And then they mm-hmm. filled the second team with Chase Briscoe, and then Cole moved up to uh. Cup and they they still went in and just kept the one Xfinity team. But I remember last year, um, Chase was talking about at, towards the end of the season because I don't even have a contract. I don't even have I have I don't even know where I'm going next year. And they signed him, and he just ex- I mean he just exploded. I mean their Xfinity their Xfinity program is just top. But then look at who look who you have on the team also. You know you, you know you got Tony Stewart, you got oh, Kevin yeah. Harvick. You know, you got you know Clint Boyer, you know, I, who you know who's great for the team. He's great for morale, you know, and a, and a, and a true veteran at that. You know, so I yep. mean, you know, you, you know, you got it. Okay. I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, we got to watch oh, no, the time very yeah. closely. Okay, um, okay, we're going to move on to the Cup Series here, but I agree with everything you said there. I, it's great to see Chase Briscoe having the success that he's having. A uh, race winner in the Hollywood Casino 400 is Joey Logano at the age of 30 in the number 22 Shell Pennzoil Ford with Team Penske and crew chief Paul Wolf. It's his 26th victory in 433 Cup Series races, his third victory and 18th top 10 finish in 2020. It's also his third victory and ninth top 10 finish in 24 races at Kansas Speedway. Kevin Harvick finished second, posting his 17th top 10 finish in 31 races at Kansas, his 26th top 10 finish this year. Alex Bowman finished third, posting his fifth top 10 finish in 12 races at Kansas Speedway. Christopher Bell finishing 10th was the highest finishing rookie. And with the win, uh, Joey Logano has clinched a spot into the championship four round for the fourth time in his career including 2014, 16, 18, and 20. Uh, To finish out the top ten here, we have uh, Brad Keselowski in fourth place and Kyle Busch rounding out the top five. The next five are Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, Martin Truex Jr., and Christopher Bell. Uh, There are, uh, it looks like, six playoff players in the top ten there, uh, and four non-playoff players in that top ten. Yeah, it was a it was a really good race. Joey Logano came on, you know, and Kevin. I don't Kevin just really wanted nothing more in the world than to beat him. But you know, Joey Logano, you know, it's just a you know he he was strong at the end. You know, he needed to be there. Um, I, I I actually had pegged Brad to win this race. I really thought Brad yeah, was going to be the, good there for the a while. one. 
Yeah, he was he was looking real good, you know. But um, you know, unfortunately, you know, you know, he he was it wasn't to be. And then, and then of course our boy Cole Custer, you know, got got in that little thing with uh, Jimmy mm-hmm. Johnson, you know, and and you know, Jimmy kind of ended his day, you know. But either way, you know, it was a good race. Um, congratulations to Joey Logano. You know what? He's um, I think this time going into the Phoenix, it's not going to be the three of then me. I think it's going to be. I am, and it's funny because <laughs> the people are there. Some of the commentators are talking about he started to look a lot like Jimmy Johnson when it comes to the playoffs. Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, I can't wait to see how this all plays out because it is going to be interesting for all the reasons you brought up. Now, uh, it was Chase Elliott who won the first stage. Denny Hamlin won the second stage, and uh, the margin of victory. Uh, for the win by Joey Logano was .312 seconds. There were six caution flags for 31 laps and 17 lead changes among 11 drivers. Uh, so let's go ahead and move right on into the points uh, for the Cup Series. Uh, they are uh, working on that uh, round of eight as well. Yeah, so leading off the points is Kevin Harvick. Second is Denny Hamlin. Third is Brad Keselowski. Fourth is Chase Elliott. And Joey Logano rounds out the top five, which he's already locked into uh, into Phoenix. So it doesn't matter where he finishes. He's um, he's going to be one of them. And then sixth is Alex Bowman. Seventh is Martin Truex Jr. And Kurt Busch, who had that, who also had a, a crash, um, is rounds out the mm-hmm. top eight. He's the bubble driver. And then ninth and tenth he's is having such uh, a respect- good race. Yeah, he was and. Respectively, ninth and tenth is Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon. Um, Danny Hamlin also hit the wall and had, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, got some damage, you know. But, um, you know, once again, those playoff points, you know, they're really coming into effect, you know, especially this late in the season, you know, when they're starting, you know, to, you know, to really, you know, the pressure's really setting in, you know, to see who's going to make it into the, uh, into the, um, into the final four. So. It's That's a right. it's a close battle. I mean, it, it's close between you know the between uh, Chase, Joey, and Alex. Um, basically, I think Martin Truex and and Kurt Busch are in a are in a must win. You know, they're in a they're in a yeah. must win situation. But um, uh, it's it's going to be uh, you know who's your top four? Do you, are you still staying with your top four? Well, we know the top two are going to be Harvick and Hamlin. Those are pretty much yeah. assured. I think Brad Keselowski's in that group too. So yeah, I got to say it's Joey Logano at this point. Uh, but I know Chase Elliott really wants it. I know some of these other guys really want it. Right now, the drivers below the cutoff line are Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, Martin Truex, and um, Kurt Busch. Now, any one of those drivers could come up with a win at Texas or at Martinsville, and that puts them in, and it's going to push Brad Keselowski out, perhaps. Yeah, because Martin Truex runs good on the mile and a half, and and yeah. this this should be one of the tracks where you know he should be strong at. But then um, you never know. Kurt Busch could pull. I mean, look at he won in Vegas where he's never won before. You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know he he could he could be the. I'm not saying he could be the sporter because any of the eight that are in that are within the eight to make it into the top four, 
you know what, it, it wouldn't be a sporter, you know. I mean, you know, they're they're all drivers, you know, that can win on any given on any given mm-hmm. uh uh week. But I'm surprised Martin Truex Junior isn't having this the usually the chase season that he usually has, you know, where he's yeah. up in the top three, you know, already, you know, kinda of set in, you know, with you know, and you know, he's kinda of down you know, down you know, like you said, he's he's out outside the bubble. You know, in in almost a, a must-win situation in order to get into the top four. Yeah. Um, again, any one of those drivers are capable, though, of getting that victory in in, in these next two races, and it's going to change the whole picture of who's in that final four at Phoenix. So uh, it's going to be fun watching the next two races, without a doubt. And I can't wait to see what happens. Um, I don't know if we've got time to listen to Joy Logano. We're kind of winding down here, Sal, so I guess uh, we won't listen to what Joey Logano has to say here. But uh, are you going to be at the racetrack this weekend? Yes, actually, this weekend I'll be at, I'll, I'll be doing my one and only Arca Menards West Series race Sunday at Kirk. Oh, oh, oh. oh they're, cool! They're running. Cool. They're running. They're doing a yeah. They're doing a Friday race. At um mm-hmm. at All American Speedway Friday night, and then from then they're gonna drive um down south from there. It's about a four hour drive, and then they'll get to Kern, and then and then Sunday Sunday is the October Classic, so we're gonna have the Spears SRL Southwest Tour, along with the mm. Arkham Menards West Series race. So we're gonna have a uh, this, this is like the thirty sixth annual October classic that we've always had over here in California. So yeah, so we're we're gonna yeah, have the Arkham Menards and the Yeah, and the of course Southwest Tour, which so far I think we're looking at about thirty five cars enter for the Southwest Tour and I think Arkham Menards is gonna have about ten or eleven. So um And I, I but, think uh, there's gonna be well I'm thinking there might be some crossover though, right? Some of those guys from uh, SRL might sign up and drive with the uh Arca West. Nah. Nah, none of them are no. driving. I, I've I've asked I've asked the ones that I thought might, and actually with the SRL being there, even the local drivers they would rather race the SRL than they would race the Arkham Arch because there's more money involved. There's a ten thousand dollars first prize for the for the I SRL, gotcha. you know. But then they got to get through Derek Thorne, so. Um, I know Derek's always you know, uh, the top competitor. Uh, definitely yeah, looking so. forward to seeing the results. And uh, hopefully we can have the Arco West winner on our show uh, for next Monday night. Yeah, you know what? If 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 it's like Blaine or 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 Jesse Love or them, you know, it'll be real easy because Bill Bill will be there either way. Jesse just have to go through through Kevin, but um, I can always just talk to Jesse and his dad while I'm down there. And then um, sure. Uh, if, it, if it's Blaine, Blaine, I, we just got to get home, you know. But if it's a BMR driver, it's easy because Kevin. Oh, we have a dry. Oh, we have a guest for next week. I'm sorry, we have a guest you here. You do have a guest. Oh, who do we have? Yeah, his his name's Jake Drew. He he won this past weekend at Urindale. He won the Spec Late Model Championship. Um, What's I didn't get him this week Jake? because yeah, Jake Drew. You can you can find him on Facebook, but um, Bob Rucati was at the river and Bob called Jake during the interview and told Jake. You know what he says next year? He goes, you're going to have a full – Bob Rucati's putting the money up. He's going to have a full um, late model season in the 55 late model at Irondale Speedway racing for Tim Huddleston for, 
um, high point racing. So part of winning the championship was getting a, a fully funded late model late model ride for next year. Okay, so now that's is something he going to be about uh, nine o'clock or eight forty? What time is he coming on? He'll 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 do. We'll do him with the with the winner. Okay, we'll eight forty. Yes. Okay. He's, like I said, he's 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 uh yeah he won the championship and it was a close battle because him and the him and the guy he's racing against there's only a two point difference. Ah. Uh-huh. Between okay. the two, so, so whoever finished higher, whoever finished higher was the one that was going to get the championship. But um, he's got a really oh, okay. he's got a really neat story behind him too. He comes from go karting and uh, and um, he's got a he's got a really good. I, I've talked to Jake about this. He's got a really good background, so there'll be a lot of background stuff to talk how how he got the ride, how he got this ride, the spec late model. Then of course, then talking about him coming into racing late models full season next year, which is going to be an exciting okay. season for him. So yeah, I forgot. Good thing you said that because I thought yeah, that's right. I have a, a guess, and then we'll see. You know, if we could still get the, you know, the Ark of Menard. I got to get Derek Thorne back on is what I got to do. Yeah, we got to get Derek back on uh, sometime before the end yeah. of the season for sure. Okay, now yeah. we've got to move on to our Hot Topic Sound Off segment here. But thanks for all that you do. We appreciate you. I hope you have fun at the track this weekend. And uh, uh, we'll be back at this uh, next Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. All right. Good night, everybody. Have a good have a good weekend. Stay safe. Wear your mask. We need to open up these, this country. California is still closed. And if you don't wear your mask, we're going to continue to be closed. So with that, good night oh. and talk to you next week. Thanks. Okay. Take care now. All right. We're a little behind the uh, ball here, I guess. Uh, it is uh, past time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. But, Jay, we've got a full hour. Uh, so joining me is uh, our fan for racing crew member for tonight, and I guess our co-host as well, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show. All right. Well, I knew uh, I knew Andy had said he couldn't be on tonight. I didn't know about Mike, so uh, I hadn't heard from him. Yeah, I haven't heard from Mike either, which leads me to think since he's not here yet that he's uh, probably not going to be able to make it. So it's going to be you and me again tonight, uh, Jay, and we've got a lot to talk about uh, with hot topics here. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and kick off the first hot topic. Wow. Well, you're right. We got a couple we can pick from here. I guess we'll go with, it uh, looks like Chase Briscoe is going to move up to the number 14 uh, in place of Clint Boyer at the cup level. Yeah, it was reported by the front stretch today, and a lot of people are uh, motorsports.com, uh, I think, uh, jumped on that as well. Uh, Chase Briscoe is going, uh, it's reported uh, that he is uh, going to be racing full-time in 2021 for Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, A source with knowledge of the situation tells the front stretch. Uh, Stuart Haas uh, Racing could have a formal announcement of Briscoe's move by the end of the week. So by moving up in Cup in 2021, Briscoe will get one year of experience racing on Sundays in a car that will be obsolete come November. Uh, In 2022, the series then moves to the next-gen car. So I'm a little surprised 
I'm happy for him, number one. I want to say I'm really happy for him. I think it's well-deserved. I think his ninth win at Kansas pretty much uh, cemented that deal, uh, which we we felt was pretty much in ink already anyway. Um, But uh, uh, I think it's going to be, if anybody can handle that challenge, I guess it would be uh, Chase Briscoe, but he's going to be learning one car just to be – obsolete by the end of the year to learn a new car in 2022 what are your what are your thoughts about that i think chase briscoe can make it happen uh if anybody can because he's very adaptable obviously yeah i know we talked about this the other night with that uh with clint boyer announcing his retirement the logical uh from the perspective of who might it be Chase Briscoe being that logical, though we did have a couple other scenarios that might come into play. With mm-hmm. that, though, I kind of echo yours. I see good and bad to this. Obviously, uh, we know the talent that Chase Briscoe has. He has uh, come away with nine wins already here in the Xfinity Series, going after a championship. And so I do believe he is ready to move up. The question would be of putting him basically, in my opinion, through two rookie seasons because it's going to be two different cars. Now, the advantage of it is even though it may be a different car, he will have that full year of experience, like you said, running in the uh, the Cup Series, the longer races, a little bit more uh, built in with his crew as he builds with his crew chief and his team versus Sindrick, maybe for seven races next year, going to have to start with that. So there is some upside to it, but there is still that question of whether or not that's a good move based on the fact that it's a one-year car deal, not a contract deal, but a car deal, and then they're going to have to switch over. So I see a little bit of good and bad to it. Uh, I do think that Briscoe is one of the talents we definitely uh, all firmly believe has that capability and the talent to do. So we'll see how it pans out. Obviously, the way everything shuffled out, that's what the business side of it they needed to do. Um, and, and we all agreed on that, of, of if, even if it was only for one more year, to pull, hold him in the Xfinity, who do you put in the cup car for that one year? <laughs> for just one year. Right, right. Um, and, and I agree with you. Chase Briscoe, uh, I think, will be all right. I think it kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off of him in his rookie season. Uh, he has a chance to go after the uh, 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 Rookie of the Year title uh, without Cindric kind of being in that same competition with him. Uh, so that kind of takes a little of the pressure off there for him as well. Uh, but it gives him a chance to learn these tracks and to learn kind of the pace, if you will, of the uh, Cup Series. So uh, I don't think there will be any pressure on him, although – to win, but I do know Chase Briscoe is a very competitive guy. When he gets behind the wheel, uh, that's what he intends to do. But I think next year is a good chance for him to make it a learning year to really learn the different tracks that they race on and um, uh, to kind of put himself in a good position for that 2022 year. Jay? And I, I know I've said this, as a fan, we're kind of selfish of, for the rookie of the year battle, we obviously wanted to see it be another top three, whether, you know, two or three at least. And you mentioned Cindric. Uh There's a couple other names you could throw in with that of mm-hmm. looking at possibly moving up in the future. But, you know, again, that's selfish as a fan. Obviously, like I said, there's a business side to it. 
that they had to go through and, and make the best decision for them as far as that involvement. Um, like I said, it seemed like a kind of a, a curveball because we kind of thought Clint Boyer was settled in, especially being how late the announcement came. But uh, it definitely adds to the excitement for next year as well as 2022. It certainly does. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next hot topic. Uh, big news came out today. Well, this week we heard that uh, uh, Kyle Larson had formally uh, made his request for reinstatement with NASCAR. NASCAR has responded and uh, has announced that they are reinstating uh, Kyle Larson uh, into the Cup Series uh, for the 2021 season. So uh, he is cleared to return to all NASCAR racing activities on January 1st of 2021. Uh, Their quote here says, uh, NASCAR continues to prioritize diversity and inclusion inclusion across our sport. Kyle Larson has fulfilled the requirements set by NASCAR and has taken several voluntary measures to better educate himself so that he can use his platform to help bridge the divide in our country. Larson's indefinite suspicion suspension has been lifted and under the terms of his reinstatement he will be cleared to return to all racing activities again effective january 1st of 2021 but i think it also includes um uh based on several reports i've seen on twitter it also includes uh off the track activities uh through 2023 including uh as a mentor in different activities with the urban youth league uh, as well as other activities and engagements uh, as a NASCAR race car driver. So uh, really interesting uh, that uh, NASCAR did respond very quickly in bringing Kyle Larson back. I, I, I should let you respond. I'm sorry. Let me go ahead and let you go. <laughs> well, okay. you actually had a little more information there than I had um, with, oh, okay. uh, with that. So. If you, if you wanted to well, continue on that, then I will respond. Well, let me just sponsorship, I, another part of this is that uh, that I saw on Twitter was that one of the reasons they, they made the request at this point is that it enables him to be able to talk to sponsors uh, and his potential team to talk to sponsors uh, about uh, supporting him in that 2021 season, uh, knowing that he has, in fact, been reinstated versus being kind of up in the air about that. So I'll stop there. <laughs> well, and, and that that makes sense logically. Again, you got to appreciate that that NASCAR was working with him. I think even prior to his official reinstatement, that he was doing some things above and beyond what was actually required as a minimum by NASCAR, and he is just continuing that. So I think that's a great yeah. thing. And, and I don't know if that's a mandatory for all of them involved that, that that part of it is, but I think that we have seen Kyle Larson uh, wants to do that. He understands the mistake he made, and he wants to not just make it right for himself, but also help others from making that same mistake and not being educated in, in what he did. So I like that. The fact that they're working with him, I know that we talked about it all year or quite a while now that we expected him to be back but he hadn't made the official uh, request once he had again nascar was very quick to respond because i think it was saturday when i friday or saturday that i saw he had officially requested it and we now have nascar's follow-up 
And that goes in partnership with, like you were mentioning, it. he can go to sponsors and say, okay, this is what I'm doing. I am going to be eligible to be a driver. More than likely, again, we don't have that final answer, but more than likely he already is signed with a team or it's uh, real close to being done, if not. And, and that's how you pitch it to sponsors. So uh, NASCAR making a quick reaction to that helps that side of it as well as they do, again, want to see everybody succeed with it. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to kind of continue here with some other thoughts. I mentioned that uh, he's got some other commitments here. Uh, The terms for reinstatement include several speaking engagements, each spaced out through 2023, where Larson will share his experiences with NASCAR's weekly series, eSports, and dirt racing communities. He'll also be required to take further training and engagement classes through 2023, plus continuous work with the Urban Youth Racing School and Rev Racing, providing coaching and mentorship for those initiatives. Uh, Kyle Larson's statement, I'm truly grateful to everyone at NASCAR and appreciative of their process. The work I've done over the last six months has had a major impact on me. I will make the most of this opportunity and look forward to the future. Chevy also made a statement Chevrolet fully supports NASCAR's efforts to provide an inclusive environment for all race fans. Since Kyle Larson has met the criteria criteria set forth for his return to the series, we support NASCAR's decision. So I think that pretty much covers uh, the whole story there on Kyle Larson. Um, uh, And I think... uh, you're right, Jay. I think you brought up an excellent point. It's NASCAR's kind of put together the terms of his reinstatement, but it sounds like uh, Kyle Larson is behind it all the way and wanting to do some of these things uh, and be involved in some of these ways. So I think that's a, a really awesome thing um, that he's doing and making that commitment through the year 2023. Uh, and I look forward to seeing, you know, uh, some of his uh, comments, because including several speaking engagements uh, spaced out through 2023. So uh, I think that's uh, uh, I think NASCAR put together a good program here, and I think Kyle Larson has uh, clearly uh, made the commitment to follow through on it all. And I, I give uh, both sides kudos. Well, and we talked about Chevy. Chevy was one of the first ones to officially cut ties with him as a driver. What I look at is they they watched and observed at that point of what kind of uh, reaction Kyle Larson took. If he just said, okay, whatever, I'm Mm -hmm. done. But the fact that he has proven himself of, hey, acknowledged his mistake, like I said, wants to make it better, not just for himself, but for others, that they're saying, okay, we understand that. You've been out for the remainder of the 2020 season to give that second chance, you know, which I feel is deserved, especially as a person shows repentance, if you will, and the desire to make it right. And I think Kyle Larson has showed that and is continuing to do so, as you mentioned, with what he's got himself lined up to do for the next three years. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great seeing his success on the uh, dirt tracks this year. But it's going to be fantastic seeing him come back into NASCAR for the 2021 season. And uh, this kind of clears the way now 
uh, for the future announcement of where exactly which seat he's going to fill for the 2021 season. So uh, I think the reinstatement kind of is one of those dominoes that had to happen in order to make an announcement. So I'd look for an announcement uh, to come fairly soon now that uh, this has taken place. Well, and one of the possible seats has been eliminated because it was a possibility that he might slide Mm -hmm. into Stuart Haas. We felt like that might have been the best fit. But, again, it all goes back to the where, where the smoke is, and that's from Hendrick Motorsports. So we'll see how long that takes before they come out with that announcement, if that is indeed where he does end up. Yes. <laughs> A lot of talk about that. And I've also heard that Hendrick Motorsports uh, said from the beginning of the season when they announced Jimmy Johnson's retirement that they would not announce uh, the successor until the end of the season. So I guess I should kind of hesitate here in saying it could come soon. Uh, I hope it does come soon, but there's also the possibility uh, that they follow through on that statement from earlier this year and not make an announcement until the season is over. So uh, hang tight for this one. Well, I think like you said, that whether when whether or not he was able to be reinstated, if it is indeed Kyle Larson, when he would be reinstated and how that all played out, I think is kind of why they put that out there already then, if that was their plan from the get-go. Now, exactly. with that, um, you know, because he was going to be a free agent anyway at the end of the, this season. So I think they were looking at that. We've already heard, though, that if you will, since Mike's going to take a, take this road on our, our little side bet there, that Jimmy Johnson's replacement is technically Alex Bowman in the 48. Correct. <laughs> um, so, you know, that announcement has come. So we know that the the seat is available, but it is not replacing Jimmy Johnson in the 48 per se. Right. That is true. So uh, you are absolutely right. This would be for taking the number 88 seat. Uh, if it stays as the 88 seat, who knows, that number might change uh, with whoever takes that seat. So we'll have to kind of wait and see because – He's got a number that he drives in the uh, dirt races. Uh, He might want to bring that number with him. Who knows? Yeah, that's a a whole other topic. Could be very uh, interesting (laughs) to see how that plays out. You know, we always associated the 25 with Hendrick Motorsports. That went away. Then we Mm -hmm. saw the 5, and that was there for quite a few years. But then when Junior came in, the 88 became a part of it. And we may see another whole number altogether. Um I want to say I'd have to look back now. Uh, I know he's driven the number 15 um, on some of uh, some of it, but I, yeah, I don't know what his car number is actually now that you say that. So you know, there's certainly some things there that uh, come out come out in the wash once an announcement is made officially. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so um, uh, I've. You know, I keep running a scenario in my head of conversations that took place uh, when this happened earlier this year, and uh, I've got a feeling, uh, you know, that there was a conversation uh, between team owner and driver uh, when all of this happened, and he and he was kind of told, "Hang hang loose for a year, do whatever you want to do, go to the classes, do everything you got to do to be reinstated." And then we'll make an announcement at the end of the year. Don't you, don't you get a feeling that, that that conversation took place? 
I, I do. I, I do think that's kind of been uh, the plan all along, and they, they said they weren't going to make announcement for that reason. Um, uh, make that announcement for that reason of not knowing exactly when some of these other things would fall into place and how it would all play out. But I do kind of get the feeling that's kind of been the the direction they were going all along. Yeah, yeah. The closer we get to this, uh, the more it seems that way for sure. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the next topic, Jay. All right, well, we got another one that's all but official, as there is some very heavy (laughs) traffic now as far as Eric Jones being the one to sign with Richard Petty Motorsports, which we got wind of already last week that talks were advancing. Um, They expect that announcement to be official later this week. Another announcement. uh, So it's going to be a big announcement week, it sounds like, Jay. Uh, Yeah, Eric Jones uh, is uh, being reported from CBS Sports uh, that Eric Jones will replace Bubba Wallace in the number 43 at Richard Petty Motorsports next season. CBS Sports has learned from a source with direct knowledge of the situation with an official announcement expected this week. He currently drives the number 20 for Joe Gibbs Racing and has been seeking a new ride after the team uh, told him that he'd be replaced by Christopher Bell next year. Now, Jones was considered one of the top remaining free agents in this year's class alongside Kyle Larson. Industry chatter uh, is suggesting Larson could be headed to the top available ride at Hendrick Motorsports with Jimmy Johnson retiring and Jones electing to race for RPM only adds fuel to the fire of the Larson HMS prospects. So, yeah, this kind of goes hand in hand. It's one of those situations where you're waiting for one domino domino to drop, for the next domino to drop, and so on. Um, But I think this is, you know, seeing how this is playing out uh, now that some of these other announcements have been made or are kind of penciled in, uh, this seems like uh, a good fit for Eric Jones to go to Richard Petty Motorsports. I know I had a scenario all worked it out in my head that was a little bit different than all of this, but now that this is how it's playing out, I'm I'm good with it. And uh, I think Eric Jones is going to be a super uh, addition to Richard Petty Motorsports, and uh, I think he's going to bring a lot to that organization. And I think you brought it up uh, when we talked about this last week. Uh, that uh, he won't be competing with some of the superstars of the sport. Not that he's not a superstar in his own right, but he won't be competing with some of those other personalities. He'll be the driver at Richard Petty Motorsports, and I think that's going to be a really good situation for Eric Jones to really shine uh, in that number 43 car for RPM. So I think it's a good move. I hope it comes to pass. Well, and as you said, the other the other one that I kind of had possibly penciled in there at RPM was Daniel Suarez, but we saw where yep. he announced he was going to uh, to another team. So for me, like I said, I feel just uh, – I hate to say well, one's more talented than another, but Eric Jones has been a race winner uh, at the cup level. For him to be the one to come into Richard Petty Motorsports, the other one possibly, and that's the one we still don't know exactly where it's going to be, is Ty Dillon. Now, I saw something where mm-hmm. it may be that he goes back to the Xfinity Series for Richard Childress Racing. We'll have to see how that all plays out. 
The only other uh, ride, well, there again now, though, we don't know a whole lot about the Floyd Mayweather teams. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot on that as of recent. Um, what manufacturer they're going to come in with. Again, if they come in with Richard Childress' uh, partnership, that might come into play. So, well, we'll have to wait and see with that. But I do think Eric Jones is a very good fit there at RPM. Again, a proven race winner, kind of always been overshadowed, uh, if you will. So I think this is really going to be his opportunity to prove himself uh, as a driver, as well as that organization. Again, we've seen that organization grow. Eric Almarola, Bubba Wallace, uh, as they've gotten closer and closer, top 15, top 10, right on that edge. And I think Eric Jones might be the one to fully put them over. Absolutely. I think uh, I think he, they've had some good drivers in that seat. I think Bubba Wallace was really good for Richard Petty Motorsports. Uh, he's moving on with the new race team, uh, which, by the way, well, I won't get into that yet because it might be another topic. Uh, but uh, it sounds like uh, it's going to be a good move for him to uh, go with the new race team with Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. And uh, I think this is a good move for Eric Jones. Uh, I'm happy for him. I'm glad that we're going to see him continuing to race in the NASCAR Cup Series and uh, to race in in such a prestigious uh, famed car as the number 43, I think is really a good deal for Eric Jones, for sure. Okay. Well, and I know where you were going. Uh, going with that other one but uh <laughs> again f- as far as wrapping up the the rpm one we'll wait for the official announcement but like i said this one has pretty much already been released as the team just hasn't made the official announcements when you get that All many right. insiders and top level um markets that are reporting it uh you can pretty much take it to the bank absolutely and and i'll tell you what when uh this is a good time. Fans already know it because they've seen it on Twitter and social media, but uh, definitely watch for those official announcements to be coming out this week. Uh, I'm really good to he- glad to hear it. Now, Racer uh, has uh, said that uh, NASCAR says that they didn't realize the extent of Chase Elliott's radio troubles at Kansas. You know, he had a lot of problems with his radio communication at Kansas, Um and uh, Chase Elliott says he never thought about NASCAR forcing him to fix the radio problems that plagued his team throughout the Hollywood Casino 400 at Kansas. But on Monday morning, NASCAR Senior Vice President of Competition uh, Scott Miller conceded that officials probably should have made the number nine Hendrick Motorsports team address that issue. Now, Miller told Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, that officials in the tower have a lot going on during an event and do not monitor every team's transmission. When officials did turn to Elliot's, uh, tune into Elliot's uh, radio upon being made aware of a potential issue during the race's first pit stop, Miller said they heard communication between Elliot and the crew chief, Alan Gustafson. So the quote says, we felt like they were in communication with one another. Obviously, by Elliot's interview at the end of the race, we were wrong about that. But that's one of those things about officiating these races. We make decisions and we live with them, and we have to move on to the next race. Maybe we missed that one, and maybe we should have had him pit, because they're supposed to have all that communication. But there was dialogue back and forth 
uh, between him and his crew chief, and that led us to believe they were okay. And it turns out from his interview afterwards that they weren't. So I can imagine it is a difficult task to be able to listen to all the radios and catch the right moment to identify that there's a bigger issue. Uh, so let's. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, Scott Miller's comments and uh, what happened with Jason Elliott's radio? Well, and that's when I was listening to the cup race on the way home. I, I knew they had mentioned that he was having radio problems. The question is, is like you said, of, of to what extent? And I believe the biggest factor that comes into play is the spotter. Crew chief isn't always a mandatory one because they can go back to the old school of different hand signals out the window. Uh, obviously, it's not as good. You can't give a, as much detail uh, in explaining to your crew chief what you want. But the spotter, I think, is the one that's very important that NASCAR mandates they have to have communication with your spotter uh, directly to the driver, not via word of mouth to the crew chief and then over. Because as we've talked about, you're talking about split-second decisions at 170, 180, 200 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Uh, There isn't time to be relaying it. Most of the time, even when they say it and a driver reacts, there isn't even enough time for that. So I think that's where it comes into play is whether or not the spotter has direct communication. And, and, you know, I understand their position. They're saying, hey, we had a lot going on. You know, we weren't necessarily focused on that one team. But I did hear some chatter about that, and I don't know if they were anti-Chase Elliott people or not, that they felt he should have been brought in. And NASCAR is obviously saying, hey, if it was to this level and we just didn't realize it, yeah, we would have. Uh, we didn't realize it mm-hmm. when we tuned into them. It appeared that it was all working. They had fixed it themselves or was good. Um, and I don't. I, I wouldn't say that they were trying to hide the fact that it was. It just, again, in the hustle and bustle of a race, especially from a race, a race director being up on the uh, broadcast booth or the control booth, that, yeah, you're not mm-hmm. going to necessarily catch everything. So um, it's one I'm sure they'll look at whatever, but – as it is, it all played out okay, but they know, again, the safety issue is the spotter and the driver being able to communicate directly, at least the spotter or the driver being able to hear the spotter. Yeah, you bring up a good point. That is uh, very crucial. Uh, but like you said also, uh, sometimes even if the radio is working, the spotter can't get that out fast enough as things happen uh, in a matter of a split second. Uh, I will say that I was listening to Chase uh, Elliott's uh, scanner a few times throughout the race, and it was very intermittent. I think at one point they handed uh, new earbuds into him to uh, in, through the car window uh, for him to change uh, the, the listening device he was using. And he, at one point he said he wasn't even using the new ones because what he had done is tapped it a little bit and it started working. So they felt that there was like a short in it, and that's why uh, at times it was working and at times it was not working. So I, I, on the other side of that, I can relate to what NASCAR is talking about. They heard there was a potential problem. They checked in on it, and it's just unfortunate that that the moment that they checked in on it, uh, everything was working fine and they were communicating. Um, The problem, though, was that it was an intermittent uh, situation, and at times it was working and at other times it was not working. So um, at the very least, uh, 
Chase Elliott, although he would have had, it would have been very difficult for him <laughs> to try to change those earbuds uh, in the race car while he's trying to drive, because you got to do that through the, your helmet and everything else. Uh, so I can relate to how difficult that might have been. But what they would have done is they would have pulled him onto pit road. He would have had to make the change on pit road to be safe. Uh, and um, that would have been a little bit of a penalty because he would have had to have uh, come back, come from the back uh, and race through the field, which I think he probably could have done if they had done that early in the race. Uh, so, um yeah, I, I, I think I kind of see all sides of this one, but uh, uh, I want to hear your additional thoughts, Jay. Well, and the way I look at it, and I've dealt with uh, like track system radios, especially when it's something that intermittent or comes and goes, um, you gotta you, you want to try and wait it out. And again, especially since, and not that he is a favorite or NASCAR is playing favoritism, but he is a. a championship eligible driver going after the championship you don't want to see something like that really determine their their outcome as far as that if it's necessary obviously they're going to do it safety is the number one concern but i think about too just like if there's chatter of a a vibration on a car uh whether or not the wheel's coming loose or whatever you know nascar if if you say yeah the wheel's loose i only have one lug nut on nascar may step in and mandate that you pit but there's that feeling out process and whether or not it'll work itself out. Like you said, it's intermittent. He tapped it, the wiring, I mean, any bend or break in the wiring can cause that uh, disconnect of at least momentarily where it's in and out. So a lot of things come into play. Um, you know, NASCAR saying, Hey, if we'd have monitored closely and realized um, the lack of communication with the spotter or whatever, we may have made that decision. They didn't say they definitely would have. I think it would have been a judgment call. And if they would have had to, I can understand their position. But on the other hand, like we talked about, it did work itself out. They were able to overcome it. And you mentioned, I can't even imagine trying to get those new earbuds in uh, without having (laughs) to stop, take the helmet off. Uh, I know, you know, the drivers, a lot of them actually tape them in. If that were the case, they may not have taped them in, but I don't see them having been able to do it without taking that helmet off. Yeah, me either. I think he would have had to have stopped on pit road to be able to safely do that. I can't imagine him driving at 170 miles an hour trying to put earbuds in his <laughs> in his ears. Um, but again, I, I do NASA, think NASCAR they, uh, probably would have really frowned on that. <laughs> no kidding. I think if they had, had addressed it early in the race, it would have been something that they could have overcome uh, with the duration of the race. Uh, and so that's where that's the only question that I have. Why didn't they address it earlier in the race and, and get it taken care of so that they didn't have that situation? Uh, that could have been kind of self-enforced, if you will, uh, to take care of it. Uh, rather than just throwing a pair of earbuds into the window and say, here, wear these <laughs> while you're going 170 miles an hour and put them in your ears. Um, to me, that that didn't make a whole lot of sense. But uh, I, I, I kind of wish they would have just addressed it early in the in the race and taken care of it and been done with it. Well, and I think that's where it comes into play, though. Again, you don't want to have to even put yourself behind that early if you're going to have mm-hmm. that issue, obviously early is the time to do it. 
But again, if they could work it out or get it, either get it to work, do a replacement, whether it be with the radio, whatever, until yeah. they figure out even what the problem is and what is the necessary change, I think that is what what came into their decision to not try and uh, lose the track position or time on pit road, whatever, even if they didn't have to early in the race. Absolutely. I'm sure that uh, you're absolutely correct there, just trying to look at it from all sides. So, Jay, what's our next hot topic? Well, another one, a driver, uh, and this one uh, hadn't necessarily heard a lot of rumblings of uh, specifically, but Haley Deegan has now signed to run full-time 2021 in the NASCAR Camping World, which will be Camping World Truck Series next year, Gander RV and Outdoors (laughs) Truck Series this year, um, for DGR Crosley, which obviously she had switched over to, uh, to Ford and become a part of their development program with DGR Crosley got rookie of the year had a very good season in the Arkham Menard series, but now going to go up to the move up to the truck series. Yes. Uh, and she was, she is the rookie of the year in the Arkham Menard series this year. She finished third in that series. Uh, and it was a challenging year. We talked to Brett Holmes about that earlier in the uh, radio show uh, and how much of a challenge it was uh, for a lot of these drivers uh, during this pandemic year because he said, I think he said there were like four months there where they were racing straight through, and in four months they had a, maybe one or two weeks off, and that was it. Um, uh, and they were doubling up on some of these races. So uh, it was a challenging year, and, and these drivers really did a good job of kind of rolling with the punches, if you will, because it was a very fluid situation as well, uh, with ARCA uh, putting together the schedule on the fly, if you will. So I think it's well-deserved that Haley Deegan uh, moves up to the Cup Series. I think she did show uh, some, some restraint. There were a couple of incidents this year with Haley Deegan on the track, but uh, overall, I think she showed uh, that she was there uh, to race and to race uh, for a win uh, versus uh, bumping drivers out of the way for the win. And uh, I think she put on, uh, she was well-deserved as the Rookie of the Year in the Arkham Art Series this year uh, for her performance and her third-place finish. Uh, I'm curious to know your thoughts, Jay. This one goes kind of along the lines of the Chase Briscoe moving up to the cup side. Uh, I don't think it mm-hmm. would hurt her to run another full-time year in the Arkham Menard series, but I also think she is capable of uh, already at this point of moving up into the truck series. So it's one of those, I see both sides to it. It might be a little early, but it might not be either. The The one thing I do look at, you mentioned there, I think we did see a huge change in, uh, maturity in her, especially coming from the uh, what was the K&N West, now the Arkham Menards West series, her aggressiveness and whatnot, we didn't see as much Arkham of Menard that. We still see, right, we, did, we didn't see it at the main level there of that full, uh, full aggression, so I think we do- definitely saw some uh, advancement in her maturity level and how she races, but you also don't want to take it all away, because we talk about that with Noah Gregson, of uh, you don't want to have to motivate a driver either. You know, that self-motivation, that desire to win, you want to be there. You know, I think about Kyle Busch too. You know, he's pissed off if he finishes second. You want him to have that fire, 
but you also don't want them to have 30-some enemies out there either who are wrecking you every week because, you know, you've wrecked them. So finding that balance, and like I said, I think she definitely showed some great improvement into the main Arkham Menard series this year. Still saw a couple of little dust-ups or incidences, but every driver has those. Uh, there's very few that don't. You know, I can only think of a, maybe mm-hmm. a handful of names that I'd say were clean drivers throughout their career. Uh, Mark Martin being on the top of that list. But <laughs> So, like I said, it, it may be a little early, but on the other hand, again, I think she did should do a phenomenal job earning the Rookie of the Year finishing third in points enough to at least give that opportunity already at this point. And I know Ford and VGR Crosley focused on that driver development program. We'll see where that leads to as far as maybe even into the Xfinity series next year, as they start building that all the way up through the uh, top three series. That's true. Now, you know, Haley Deegan did run in the truck series. She made her debut in the truck series this last weekend at Kansas and finished 16th, the highest finish for a female driver in the in the Gander Outdoor Truck Series. And uh, so that was pretty impressive for her debut in the series uh, this past weekend at Kansas. Uh, so I think we're going to see more of that next year when she comes on full-time. And DGR Crosley is a great team uh, for her to come into this with uh, and as part of that Ford development program. And I think Ford's real happy with her progress as well. So definitely, uh, definitely all good stuff. Definitely looking forward to seeing her in the truck series. Again, we knew it was coming. Uh, how early it was a matter of timing and then the way things worked out. But I think in DGR Crosley, doing a great job in what they've been building as an organization. As I mentioned, I'm kind of looking forward to hoping to maybe see that they're one of the ones that moves into the Xfinity series here, as we've talked about mm-hmm. some teams maybe not being there. Uh, so I think that is one. And I think that Ford, again, is looking to put something behind them to work with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's go ahead and move on, Jay, to the next topic. Or you already you brought that one up. I guess it's my turn. Okay, what do I want to go into? Well, let me mention this. Justin Haley uh, is going to be racing another year in the Xfinity Series with Colleague Racing. Uh, That was an official announcement made uh, about uh, Justin Haley. And so uh, what are your thoughts about Justin staying with Colleague Racing for another year? Well, we kind of talked about this as far as a possibility when we talked about college racing, looking at 2022 as being the year they might move up to cup. Uh, I hadn't heard that official announcement. I think it is great. Not anything again, necessarily against Justin Haley, but with him to be able to continue and build with that team, if they move them, make the move to cup in 2022, he should be their driver as he's been with them long-term there. And they already lost uh I say lost, but maybe they never even had the opportunity to utilize Ross Chastain as he was still technically a Chip Ganassi contracted driver. Um, So if they're not moving up to cup this year and they really are looking at 2022, I think Justin Haley getting another full year in the Xfinity series, maybe doing some spot racing, whether it be with college racing or one of the other teams that he has, I know Spire Motorsports, that's where he got his victory at Daytona, uh, getting the occasional cup start, I think is great for the entire organization. Him as the driver development. Uh, again, I think the timing, the way, especially if he plans on staying with college racing and they move up to cup, 
staying with them instead of taking one of these other rides and waiting and seeing what happens. Yeah, I think that uh, Justin Haley's made it real clear that he's happy at college racing and uh, to stay in the Xfinity Series, as, as you well know, uh, has benefited a number of these drivers. And I think Justin Haley could very well uh, be going after uh, a championship next year in the Xfinity Series. Uh, he might do select races next year uh, with college racing just to kind of get his feet wet, if you will. But uh, And I say might, I'm just speculating there. Uh, but I do think that uh, it's a good move for, for Justin Haley to stay with Colleague Racing. I think it, he's a good fit there. And um, uh, he's a senior member at Colleague Racing. And uh, they've kind of built that organization together, if you will. Uh, so I'm happy for Justin Haley. And uh, I think uh, we will see him contending for a championship next year. I, I most certainly do believe so. Uh, and with that, I know there's been a little bit of chatter already to uh, A.J. Allmendinger saying, again, if they're going to go full-time in 2022 of next year in 2021, possibly doing the road course races for him. And, again, if they put a couple more races on their schedule of getting their feet wet, that then it would be Justin Haley, I would imagine, um, again, to try and get the cars uh, established. Again, you don't want to invest a whole lot, as it will be a new car in 2022. So that, I'm sure, played into their decision as well. But at least get the feel for it. Like you said, uh, the driver feedback and getting established, even in as a team in those races, not necessarily the car as an entirety, um, because it will be a new car in 2022, but at least as a team and then moving up. Uh, up full-time with uh, Haley. Ooh. Excuse me. I apologize. Ooh. You okay? Yep. And now I, okay I was again? finished with what I was saying. Yeah. I was finished oh, with okay. what I was saying. That just came at the tail end <laughs> of it. Oh, okay. I thought it sounded like you might have got hurt there. Okay. So, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Um and uh, I think we're ready to move on to the next hot topic, and it's your turn, Jay. Well, that brings uh, – we've talked about some of the good things in the signings that have happened. There's still a couple that have not, and it's unfortunate. I know Corey LaJoy uh, took a risk in uh, leaving Go Fast Racing. They have yet to announce a replacement. Corey LaJoy did not land one of these rides and then we also mentioned a little bit earlier, Ty Dillon is another driver that's still uh, mm-hmm. available. And with Go Fast Racing being the one seat that we know is open, though, but that's a Ford, uh, Ford team with the alliance under Stuart Haas or a partnership of some sort with Stuart Haas Racing, I, I don't see that as the option. So, A, where does Corey LaJoy go as well as Ty Dillon? And then, B, who comes into the Go Fast Racing machine? Yeah, it's uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Corey Joy still does not have a ride, um, and I'm hoping that we do hear something for him from him uh, sometime soon about that. Uh, as you mentioned, there is a couple of new teams this year, and uh, it's possible that we might see uh, some possibilities there. You've got them trying to get to those new teams. Uh, Go Fast Racing is one of those teams that uh, have not announced who's going to be uh, driving in those cars. 
We don't know yet if uh, has Brian Priest been signed yet. I don't think Brian Priest has been signed yet. Oh boy, I thought I saw where he had resigned. I don't know on that one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. It's got a question mark at Jayski's, uh, but you've got uh, a couple of other new teams that are coming in. Uh, Gaunt Brothers. We still haven't heard whether what's going to happen with them. There's the track house number 99 with uh, Daniel Suarez. Uh, and there's uh, a question mark here and possibility that maybe Corley Joy is going to Spire Motorsports next year. But, again, it's uh, a question mark. Uh, team Penske, a part-time team with uh, Austin Sendrick. Uh, I'm just looking here. There's a question mark, number 16, College Racing Chevrolet, uh, about the interest of moving him to uh, Justin Haley to Cup next year. Again, I I see that as being a part-time team. Um, The money racing team. We don't know who's going to be driving in the money racing team. That's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, there. And... uh, uh, there, there's just so many There's still a few questions up in the air uh, That haven't quite been answered yet But we're getting closer, Jay Yeah, I certainly have Again, the, some of the bigger ones And now maybe the littler ones Will start following, falling in line here Quicker than uh, than we expected Or again, as, as uh, certain things No longer become available It narrows down your options So We'll, we'll have to see. But those are two drivers that I think still are very qualified to, to be at the cup level. Unfortunately, again, situation's just uh, not working out for them. But we'll have to see. And I think I really do have hope as far as Spire Motorsports, like I said, that they're, that they're a program on the rise and going to start building um, and may, may, may not be able to get a top name driver, uh, if you will. But I do believe... And I'd have to do a little bit of research of, of what manufacturer they are. Again, if they could kind of align maybe with Richard Childress, that might be a place where Ty Dillon would fit in as well. I know we talked about that of, of with Richard Petty Motorsports being they already are aligned with Childress. You know, he might be able to slide over there. But uh, Spire Motorsports might be another one. And like I said, I don't know exactly where uh, Mayweather's team, the money team, um, if they've announced a manufacturer or anything. I, far as I know, the only thing they have announced is that they do plan on racing next year. Yes. <laughs> That's about all we know uh, for sure. And now I see a question mark on whether or not Joey Gase, I don't think it's been announced yet whether Joey Gase is going to be returning to his team uh, for next year. So he could be another driver who's kind of on the line here uh, with a question mark. I do know that uh, it looks like um, – uh, with all the news that came out today, Jay Skies hasn't caught up with that yet, so there might be uh, more here that we're not uh, really aware of just yet, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. There's also some talk of maybe Garrett Smithley. Uh, there's a question mark there on whether or not he'll return to the number 53 next year. So we'll see what happens. All we can do is wait for those announcements to come out. Uh, and moving into the next topic, we might as well get into this now. Um, there's been uh, some 
uh, speculation here based on the fact that a company called 2311 Racing LLC in North Carolina, care of Jump DC, recently filed a trademark application for the number 23 and the name 23XI Racing on the application. The address list listed traces back to a company called the Sachs Group, which lists Jordan as a client. So uh, there's a lot more... <laughs> There's a lot leading us to believe that perhaps uh, the number 23 car will be the car that Bubble Wallace drives next year in the Cup Series. Well, if if you know anything about the history as far as Michael Jordan and and that brand, uh, the 23 <laughs> yeah. uh, not being utilized at the Cup level right now, uh, I didn't see it going any other way. And even if somebody else were using that number, there's some money behind the Jordan brand. I think that uh, <laughs> it might have happened regardless. You know, uh, we've seen that before. Yes. Um, but that just it just makes sense. And yeah, I didn't see that happening any other way. Okay. Uh, so yeah, the standard practices for teams when entering NASCAR meaning it's very likely the team name will be 23XI Racing, uh, which is XI, of course, is the Roman numeral for 11. And Wallace will drive the car with Jordan's famous number 23 on it next season. So um, uh, 23XI uh, makes a little more sense now that I kind of took a second look at that. <laughs> uh, for a minute there, I thought it could be for the new racing series uh, that that was coming into, but DXI uh, being 11 uh, makes a lot of sense for me. It does so again, uh, Jenny Hamlin being there. Yeah, Jenny Hamlin being in the 11 since he came into the Cup Series, uh, kind of been his number, if you will. I know that there's others been in the 11, but the the when we look at this, and I know we've talked about this on on a couple different levels. There's very few uh, that have stayed with a team. Um, throughout the, their career, uh, you do associate, no matter what happens, if you mention Jeff Gordon, you're still going to think the number 24. But as other mm-hmm. drivers utilize that, if you say the number first, then it depends on the era when you were a NASCAR fan. You know, so you say mm-hmm. 11, some might go Daryl Waltrip. Okay, some might go Denny Hamlin. It depends on what era you were familiar with that car number. You know, with, mm-hmm. the, with the exception of very few, the three... I understand Austin Dillon's building that um, his reputation, if you will, with the number three. But again, majority of your fans, you're still going to associate that with Dale Earnhardt, uh, as well as then the 43 of Richard Petty, which I think is probably the lone standing one by itself, the three being a close second. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Okay, we're coming up uh, here at the end of the hour. I think we might be able to finish uh the show on time tonight what are your thoughts did you have any more topics you wanted to bring up here well yeah if you want to do your spiel i did have one more here that uh kind of wanted to talk about um shouldn't carry us very long past over time but uh certainly can't get it done in five minutes i don't think okay well with that jay 
uh, for any new listeners that are tuning in uh, to our show for the first time tonight, uh, this is the time of the night that we like to let you know that we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, but we do continue the conversation as well as recording that conversation past that time, and it becomes a part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. Now, the podcast is available when we get finished with the show, and I go out on Twitter to let uh, people know that the podcast is now available. And uh, if you've listened up to this point, all you have to do is fast forward to the two-hour mark, and then you'll be able to hear the rest of that conversation on our podcast. Now, sometimes it takes a few minutes for it to download and kind of finish, complete the podcast portion, but uh, if you give it that few minutes, uh, usually in a bit you'll be able to do that fast-forwarding to hear the rest of the conversation. So with that, Jay, um, uh, I think uh, we'll go ahead and uh, go on to the next topic. All right. Well, with the exception of the Xfinity Series where we saw Chase Briscoe win and uh, lock himself in as if he wasn't already, the other two <laughs> series, when you talk about the uh, Cup Series – and then the truck series, having a driver that either hadn't won in the case of the truck series with Brett Moffitt, and then Joey Logano, who was below the cut line, locking himself in, how that establishes uh, the new cut line and some of the pressure that's put on some of these other drivers in, the, in those two series. Like I said, the Xfinity series, Chase Briscoe, I think, was going was gonna to go in anyway. And to be more specific to what I'm looking at, Denny Hamlin, one of those throughout the year, we kind of felt with the points he had built up mm-hmm. based on his bad race, as well as Joey Logano, one of the below the cut line moving up. I believe it's about a 20-point gap now for Denny Hamlin that he can't necessarily just coast into the final. Yes, indeed. Not only that, it's put Chase Elliott in a precarious position. He's actually below the cut line because Joey Logano moves up into that final four. Uh, so Chase Elliott now is in a position, he's uh, not much out of it, but he he's definitely in a position where he's going to have to have some good races in these next two events in order to put himself into that final four. And Sal and I kind of talked about this earlier. If you look at the Cup Series, any one of those drivers from uh, Kurt Busch to Martin Truex Jr., Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, any one of those drivers could come up with a win at Texas or Martinsville and put themselves above the cut line. So I think it makes it makes uh, drivers like uh, Brad Keselowski maybe even more vulnerable uh, to maybe being pushed out of the uh, Final Four uh, unless he can come up with a victory. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, when you look at the truck series, it's the same thing, really. Uh, Sheldon Creed, Austin Hill, Zane Smith, Brett Moffat all above the cut line. Brett Moffat, of course, uh, confirmed he's punched his ticket into the Final Four, so he's definitely there. Uh, but you've got drivers like Grant Infinger, Matt Crafton, Ben Rhodes, Tyler Ankrum uh, below that cut line. Uh, they could come up with a win at Texas Motor Speedway or even Martinsville and put themselves above that cut line very easily, which then puts uh, drivers like Zane Smith uh, in that vulnerable spot to be pushed out with another uh, guy below the cut line uh, coming up with a victory. So, yeah, 
it makes this playoff uh, pretty interesting. But I compare it to an underdog team coming into a playoff uh, uh, scenario and uh, beating the number one seed uh, to kind of shake things up on uh, some of the brackets that we see in football or basketball or even baseball. Yeah, and, and that's what I really like about it. I know I saw some talk about that on Twitter as well as I caught the tail end there where uh, Sal was talking about that with Chase Elliott. Uh, the reason I focused on Denny Hamlin was when we talked about that early in the year of whether or not these guys should get to uh, hold on to and maintain all these extra points they had where it makes it that they can almost coast. And that's where I, why I specifically uh, pulled out Denny Hamlin is he had a mm-hmm. little bit of a rough race with who won he's no longer in that position. That cushion can go away uh, in one race, as, as we've seen that happen. Yep. But as, yep. as you he's, mentioned he's that. He's got his one mulligan. Yeah, and it, it was a big one, I think, because like I said, that cuts it down to 20 points. The one thing I looked like thinking about there, as you were talking about the drivers involved, um, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Kurt Busch, specifically the history and Mm -hmm. talent they have at Martinsville. Throw Martin Truex Jr. in there. Those four all (laughs) have very good history at Martinsville, uh, and we've seen that track lends itself to some uh, tensions as well as when it comes playoff time. Martin Truex, Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott. It's been a while since Kurt Busch as well as Brad Keselowski. So there's six right there. That, that have some very good history and have had some incidences with the others that we're talking about at Martinsville. I think Martinsville could be a huge, huge uh, race and impact on this, uh, this, cha- this year's championship. Yeah, and when you talk about uh, that, a few things here, when you talk about the intensity of uh, trying to make it into that championship four and what it means to each of these drivers from a sponsorship perspective, um, that intensity just ratches ratches up to a whole new level. And uh, Martinsville is the kind of track where people leave with their feelings hurt. Uh, so I expect that's uh, definitely going to happen. Now, one of the things that I've been impressed with with the Cup Series, and we saw it this weekend, is that these guys are taking care of their equipment. They understand that we're in a COVID-19 year, and uh, – uh, they can't afford to be wrecking a bunch of race cars, uh, you know, to keep their organization healthy. So uh, I fully anticipate that we'll probably see, uh, similar to what we saw at uh, Kansas, we'll see that at Texas. But I think uh, <laughs> I think the gloves come off at Martinsville, and we're going to see some bumping and banging and some hurt feelings. Well, and I know you might not be a fan of this, but but I got to talk about this. I've actually pulled it up here in, in the last couple of months. Um, talk about Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin. We know that one. Martin Truex and uh, mm-hmm. Joey Logano was here in the past couple of years. But I go back to the Brad Keselowski and Kurt Busch, and, and I can't even think of how <laughs> far back that goes. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brad had they had an issue. Brad had gone into the garage, come back out, wasn't all the way up to uh, top speed and Kurt Busch was leading, come around trying to pass him. And I believe Keselowski went two laps driving one handed because his left hand was out the window with a finger extended for two laps <laughs> as Kurt Busch tried to get around to him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, This the, Martinsville has always been the track where payback happens. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, we're going to see that again. I think about Jeff Gordon and uh, – uh, wasn't it Jeff Gordon and uh, Clint Boyer at Martinsville, or was that Phoenix? One of those places. That was, oh, that was uh, – well – I think Martinsville played into it. I think the actual uh, running situation, uh, Boyer's run, uh, was at Phoenix, but Martinsville always <laughs> has a tendency to play into it somewhere in the story. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, and and it's, so we haven't seen a lot of that kind of drama this season, uh, and, and for justified reasons. Like I say, uh, I think the Cup guys kind of get it where these guys in the lower series – well, even the truck series seems to be a little bit better, but uh, the Xfinity series, those guys aren't quite getting it, at least some of those guys, <laughs> that they've got to take care of that equipment. Uh, money's not unlimited. So um, I think that uh, I think that the gloves come off, like I said before, at Martinsville, because this is uh, the all-or-nothing race, uh, except for those drivers that have already made their way in or to clinch their spot. Those guys can kind of uh, sit back a little bit, but these drivers that are below the line, uh, they're not going to go out quietly. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna go for everything they can get at Martinsville uh, to be in that final four. So it's going to be, it's going to be wild and crazy. I think when we get to Martinsville, maybe, I, maybe I certainly don't want to, no, I certainly don't want to bypass Texas uh, looking forward to that race. But, I, oh, yeah, I feel that intensity already for Martinsville just kind of upping. Like you said, that track itself lends it to that. We've seen it in the past. And, again, depending on who wins uh, at Texas and who's in and out, that we're going to see that uh, double fold at least come Martinsville. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we're kind of chuckling about it, but it's going to get serious uh, for sure. And like I say, I'm I'm sure that, uh, Twitter will be hopping uh, when the uh, race is over at Martinsville. And uh, like I say, they, maybe they'll prove me wrong. Maybe they'll keep it tame, and it won't be uh, it won't be as bad as we think it is. But uh, we'll have to kind of stay tuned in to find out what happens. But I agree with you. Let's not forget Texas because Texas is going to be a fun race as well. And it's a 1.5-mile track. A lot of these guys are really good on the 1.5-mile tracks. And I'm not going to be surprised if either in the truck series or the cup series, if we don't see a guy below the cut line uh, do exactly what Brett Moffat did and go out there and win. Yeah, certainly could be interesting, or even, again, if they're in that, that one just above the cut line uh, as the one to move up, pushing a couple others down. Again, kind of like that happened to Denny Hamlin, uh, put that gap a little bit more, which puts the pressure back on as far as win or not. Uh, certainly mm-hmm. lends itself to that, so we'll, uh, we'll see how that shakes out, starting with Texas, and I know we'll preview that here come Thursday. Yes, indeed, and Texas is going to be the precursor to Martinsville, uh, for sure. Uh, And a lot of those guys want to win that race, uh, Jay, just so that they don't have to deal with all the intensity of Martinsville. Yeah, that is is a huge factor. You're right. That that might put a little bit of that uh, 
intensity into Texas is we just don't want to have to be involved at Martinsville. So if we can get it done at Texas, all the better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, you know, when you look at uh, even the Xfinity series for that matter, and the guys that are below the cut line in the Xfinity series, uh, let me pull that up here real quick. (coughs) Excuse me. You've got some uh, really tough uh, characters here, too, because you've got uh, Justin Haley, Ross Chastain, Ryan Segan, Noah Gregson all below the cut line. And let me tell you, you've got a couple of drivers that are willing to drive on that edge uh, to make it happen. And uh, we're going to be seeing that at Texas and and Martinsville from this group as well. Certainly going to be another uh, exciting two weeks, and that'll lead us to the championship four, which always uh, I have yet to see a championship four battle uh, not deliver. I know we're switching over from Homestead, Miami to Phoenix Raceway, but I actually think that brings a whole different set of uh, challenges, if you will, uh, (laughs) to the championship four. Yes, it does. And keep in mind that that Phoenix race is also going to be the season finale for the Arkham Art Series West. So uh, definitely looking forward to that as well. And as you mentioned, we've got our preview show coming up this Thursday, the 22nd of October, uh, starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, we'll we'll definitely be looking at that. Let's go ahead and... um, Let's go ahead and do the roundtable, Jay, if you're done, unless you had something else. Yep. Well, no, we'll do, I'll just put the teaser out there because that's what's out there on Twitter anyway. Uh, we still don't know all the drivers for the SRX series, uh, but they've now yep. also started putting the teaser out there for uh, tracks. They're going to start uh, naming the tracks, I guess, that they're going to attend. Ah. So we got that to look forward, look forward to as well from them. Um, cool With that deal. on Twitter... You can follow me on MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram, and then Michael Hoosman on Facebook. And I am Fanfracing site on Twitter and Fanfracing blog and radio everywhere else on social media, including our website, fanfracing.com. Now, we did have a great interview with uh, the 2020 Arkham Art Series champion, Brett Holmes in the first half hour of our show here tonight. So if you've not heard that, uh, hit the rewind button and go back and listen to Brett Holmes. Uh, He gives uh, some uh, pretty cool information about uh, winning that championship and how he celebrated and uh, his thoughts about the season and racing in the condensed uh, COVID-19 era of the Arkham Menard Series season. Uh, he's he's a full-time student at uh, Auburn University, so throw that into the mix, and it makes for a pretty busy uh, year for Brett Holmes. But uh, uh, definitely go back and, and listen to that interview. Uh, we really enjoyed having a conversation with him. Um, and then uh, also we've got uh, Sam Bornhorst uh, recap up on Fanfare Racing, uh, dot com and uh, we didn't get the uh, cash or pass this week uh, from from um, uh, Owen, but uh, I expect that uh, we will get that this week from him. And sometimes when he misses a week, he'll he'll do it as a double. So watch for that to be coming out sometime this week as well. And uh, I guess I better get my story on Martin Truex in. 
so I can stop talking about it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, I'll get the one with uh, Chase Elliott with it with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then also uh, a big shout out to our listeners. We do appreciate each and every one of you guys for taking the time to tune in to hear what it is that we have to say. And uh, whether you're listening on the podcast or the live broadcast, we appreciate all of you. So uh, definitely looking forward to it. Sal announced uh, tonight that we do have a guest for next week, Monday night show that starts at 8.30 p.m. Uh, Jake Drew is going to be on the show, and uh, he is a, a driver who has recently won out there on the West Coast and. Uh, is working with Bob Brumcotti's uh, Sunrise Ford Racing, so definitely uh, looking forward to that. And then with the ARCA West Racing this weekend at Kern County, we're hoping to have the race winner uh, on the show as well. So that could be uh, really tough for the the review, but we'll try to do the best we can all the way around if if we get a couple of guests on for Monday night's show. So uh, just a heads up on that as well. So uh, thanks, uh, Jay, for all that you do. We didn't do a recap. We got time to do well, a recap of the. Uh, I was going to say. Uh, group. I was going to say. Yeah, I was going to tell you there. Uh, I didn't get all the points done again. I being on the road this weekend. I will tell you this though. Uh, we we talked about the Arkham and Ard series, the back and forth going into the week, the Cup series. I know this for sure uh, because I'm involved in it. I had a one point lead going in. Andy's going to have a one-point lead coming out of it, but the gap is going to close up because I know James got the most point. Uh, him and Sam actually going to close up even closer, so it might become a more than just the two of us there. And then wow, uh, I think I closed up. Briscoe, I know I had him, so I'll get 14 points in the Xfinity Series. It'll close the gap, but uh, that one's not quite as close. Then in the Truck Series, uh, again, I'll have the full report ready on Thursday night, um, as well as we get our next set of picks in for Texas. But our points have certainly uh, crunched up a little bit. Okay. Well, I know I'm not a part of that. It's not been my year this year. (laughs) Uh, But hopefully that bodes well for me for next year. Maybe I'll have a better year next year. So uh, with that, Jay, thank you again for all you do with our fantasy game. And uh, we'll look forward to Thursday night show starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, October the 22nd, along with our hot topics starting at 10 p.m. Eastern. So with that, I think we're ready to uh, call it a wrap, Jay. All right. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Good night, guys. Good night.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 